Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith, Edinburgh. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday morning service held on April the 3rd, 2022. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, my name's Judith, and I'm leading the service today. And it'll be led. <laughs> the Eucharist will be presided over by Jolyon, and Jolyon's also going to be doing our, our reflection for us this morning. Um, our rector, Ian Lothian, is away on a much-needed holiday. So, uh, <laughs> if it goes slightly chaotic, it's because he's not here. <laughs> Uh, Our theme today is extravagant love, but it's also the fifth Sunday in Lent, and many of you here will have been coming to our Lent groups. Uh, This coming week is our fifth, it's the fifth Sunday in Lent today, so this coming week will be our fifth group that we're meeting in, and the discussion will be about Sabbath. And we're following much of, of our Lent groups are following much of what is written here, the Richard Carter book, The City is My Monastery. And this week it's about the Sabbath. And today is our Sabbath. And one thing that really struck me reading it um, through this chapter yesterday was the sentence, Sabbath is about being in the present now. So let's just have a few moments quiet before we begin the service. Be present to God and to one another in the moment here and now. Don't think about the week that's gone past. Don't think about anxieties for the future. Just be here in this very moment now and we'll ring the singing bowl and light the candle.
please be seated as we come to our time of confession. And another moment's quiet as we remember, go back to just being in the presence of Jesus. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Let us confess before God the times when we have fallen from temptation into sin. May the God of love, mercy and power forgive us and free us from our sins. Heal and strengthen us by the Spirit and raise us to new life in Christ. Amen. reading is from Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 4. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from the Son of God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I can attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made, his, made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind 
and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press forward to the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God. Today's Gospel is taken from John chapter 12, from verses 1 to 8. Glory to Christ our Saviour. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave dinner for him. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the gospel, good news for all. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, please open our lives to your energizing spirit our hearts to your extravagant love and our imaginations to your world. Amen. This morning, I'd like to invite you to a dinner. It's a very particular dinner. It's an unforgettable meal, not because of what was served, but because of what happened. Now, it's a dinner we just heard read about 
And I'd also like to introduce you, or perhaps reintroduce you, to three of the guests, to Mary of Bethany, Judas Iscariot, and Jesus of Nazareth. First then, Mary, Mary of Bethany. You remember she has two siblings, Martha, the one who's often portrayed as really busy, looking after everyone and doing stuff, and then Lazarus. This is a bit of a shocker, isn't it, really, if you think about it. Lazarus, who a few days before in the story, as we heard read uh, a few weeks ago, uh, was dead. But he's now back at dinner. Now, Mary does something, we all probably know this story really well, really utterly shocking. She takes a full pound of perfume and pours it over Jesus' feet. It's not any old perfume, it's spikenard. It's a very rare and costly uh, perfume and it comes from an aro probably an ar aromatic herb uh, from the Himalayas between Tibet and India. So just the transportation, the bringing it is one of the reasons why it was so costly. Yesterday, as part of researching uh, for today, I went into Joe Malone's on... Uh, <laughs> I did, I read it on my own into Joe Malone's uh, in uh, George Street. It was packed full of people, um, all smelling various things. They were, they, I explained why I needed a bit of help to understand about I asked if they had any nard, so I wanted to bring you all nard. They didn't have, sadly, that. They had some velvet and rose and oud, they said, was closest to it. This velvet texture of the darkest damask rose, and they described it as text, textural. How a smell can be textural? <laughs> magnetic and decadent. So anyway, there's a, you can smell that afterwards. It's actually really nice. It's really nice. Um, and then there's this one, myrrh and tonka. What's tonka? Does anyone know? It's a bean. It's a bean, a vanilla bean. Okay, mm, that's nice too. Um, this is a, now listen to this. Who writes these things? That's great. A nomad song of sand and smoke-threaded twilight. <laughs> It's, it's noble, sensual, and intoxicating. Okay, so, so I, I'm afraid. But what I did, because I thought we should do this. Now, I'm really sorry. If you're at home, you just have to trust me. This really smells nice. But if you're at home, you might want to spray some perfume. Uh, or if you've got some, if you don't have perfume to hand, maybe go and get some. What would be a good thing from the kitchen that would smell nice? Spice cupboard from cinnamon, maybe a bit of cinnamon. Okay, great. Now, do you want to pass this round? This is. Okay, hang on, wait, wait. No, we've got to get it so that everyone has got to. Um... You've got your hand up first, don't worry, I got it. But okay, so any guesses of what it is? I owe you a small bottle of congratulations. That's great. <laughs> Great. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, actually. To, um, anyway, they showed me around the shop. They showed me around Joe Below, and they showed me loads of the, the, these bottles. As you know, are like 120, 140 quid. And I said, well, su supposing I had 30,000 pounds. It was sort of quiet then in the. In the um, 
And they said, no, we don't, we don't sell that sort of bottle. I think the most expensive you get online is at 240, but anyway, okay. So just bear that in mind, hold that in, in your, um, can you smell it? Well, how would you describe that if you were writing one of these things? Do you remember the velvet texture of the darkest damask? Anyone have a go at, how would you smell? Have a go? How would you? Textured smell. That's not a textured smell. But it is amazing, isn't it, how, how uh, it does fill the room, doesn't it? And it goes straight. It, I don't know if for, you, for me it kind of evokes memories as well. Um, because as you know, the, the, the smell is linked with the limbic system and it, goes, it, it connects with our memories much quicker than other senses. Um, okay, so we've got Mary there doing this extraordinary thing. And then you've got uh, Judas Iscariot. And Judas seems to know the market value of this perfume. What does he value it at? Um, does anyone remember? Without looking? 300, 300. yep, excellent, right. Um, now remember, a denarius was a single, what was it, a single uh, day's wage. So 300 or so was about a whole annual uh, salary. So I checked with the Scottish government website and the average in Scotland, you can probably guess, I mentioned the figure earlier, is around, seems quite a lot, 30,000 pounds. So we're saying that Mary here, and this is what Judas spots, pours onto Jesus' feet the entire annual income, just one year's salary. That's 30,000 pounds worth of perfume. I was thinking I probably could buy the shop in Malone or get close to it uh, with that amount of money. So it's like pouring the entire shop's perfume on the feet. What an unbelievable amount of money just to anoint Jesus' feet and change the smell of the room. You'd think that Lazarus has probably had a shower since being revivified in the story. To, um, now, just look around the room, not this room, but look around the room this dinner, just to have a look around to see what's going on. Listen to the conversation go quiet. All the heads probably could turn towards Mary because what she's doing is she's holding this incredibly precious thing. She's working, it's almost like she's walking on a tightrope and you're saying, don't, 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 hang on, watch it, don't drop, don't drop it, don't drop it. Be careful. And then, I mean, I, I, I couldn't, if I was there, I'd be thinking, where did she get all that? Where did she get the money? Where did she get the perfume? Where did she get the money? There wasn't many Joe Malones in Judea, probably, so they probably didn't win, have a lottery. It wasn't retirement savings, but perhaps it was savings. The entire, all invested into this perhaps one small bottle or, or alabaster jar. Then she does something even more shocking. She kneeled, you'll remember it, she kneels down at Jesus' feet. And then perhaps embarrassed laughter. We don't know whether to look or not because women simply don't tend touch men in this culture. There's no way that they normally touch a man's foot. It simply wasn't done. It's like touching someone's midriff. You can imagine people sort of thinking how shocking, how disgraceful. Now Mary watches, she picks up the perfume, she pours it all over Jesus' feet. What a completely unbelievable, appalling waste. Okay, so it's one thing to be being over-friendly in public, but squandering a huge amount of money is quite another. I, I think probably nobody at that meal can but quite believe what she's just done. She just poured 30,000 pounds, one year's salary, over a teacher's feet. 
Now, I know I, you know, teachers deserve a lot of support, but look at, look at it as it's running, it's running, it's running on the stones. And now she's wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. What a drama queen. Does she not care what people think about or what they'll say? Does she have no shame, no worry about disgrace? And worst of all, there's this reckless waste of money. You know, to be honest, I have a bit of sympathy for Judas. Listen to him again. Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the, mother, uh, and the, and the money given to the poor? Now, lots of commentators, they, they, they kind of say, well, he's got questionable motives. He's a bit of a, th- he's a thief. He's got a hand in the till. But listen afresh for a moment to his concern. Otherwise, we perhaps miss the power of this story. It's more than just a waste of money that could be used for refugees or for the poor. Perhaps the back of his mind is this revolution that he wants to be part of that will kick out the occupiers. This money could be spent on arms, on weapons to get rid of the Romans. Or also perhaps in the back of his mind was the massive Jerusalem temple, the center of religious and economic life, the place where you went to have your sins forgiven, the place where the poor could be looked after, the place where men and women were kept separate. So don't you think Jesus, uh, Judas, sorry, Judas, so often described as a thief or as worse, the betrayer, has a point. How dare she undermine this system, this order, uh, these, this order of things? I think his voice, in a way, makes sense. We, because it's as if she has broken these boundaries, these laws, these procedures. But of course, Judas like perhaps everyone else in the room, is missing something. The elephant in the room. Well, not the literal elephant in the room. And it's only Mary who can see this. What is it, I wonder? Jesus only has one week to live. Perhaps Judas is closing his eyes to what he's doing. He's part of a system that will actually, part of a betrayal that will bring about Jesus' death. But I guess no one else gets this, but Mary does. And she wants everyone in the room to wake up to that reality. And so she does this shocking thing. Everybody just sees that she's crossing this boundary. They don't see the significance, if you like, the sacramental nature of what she's doing, except there is one exception, of course, because Jesus in the room gets it. Because it's as if he says, she's doing what I'm doing and I'm about to do. She's embodying the sheer, shocking extravagance of my love. She's poured her entire self, her money, her reputation, her emotions, to try and wake us up in this room. To point to me. And why does that matter? Well, listen to what Jesus is saying. I'm living out the extravagance of divine love. I'm pouring out my entire whole self, my physical, spiritual, emotional self. This is a gesture of sheer beauty. I'm the extravagance of God. It's as if he's been saying that right the way in the Gospel of John up to this point. 
And it's if you're ignoring not just her love for me, but also you're ignoring my love. As a good friend wrote to me, Jesus is God flinging off all his clothes and doing the most crazy wild thing to get us to see what really matters. Jesus is God kicking and screaming to try to stir our attention away from the trivial and greedy distractions that can bloat and suffocate our lives. Jesus is God wasting the most precious and beautiful thing he has to show us, that he's utterly devoted to us. I read that several times. It's a beautiful piece of writing. Now, last week we heard from Joe about this amazing story of, of, of this old guy. What did he do? He just got rid of social conventions and he ran back to welcome the prodigal son home, this outrageous, extravagant love. Now this week, we're focusing on this woman's outrageous act. It's interesting, uh, C.S. Lewis, surprised by joy himself, wrote, the allegorical sense of Mary's great action dawned on me the other day. I can imagine him walking around Oxford actually, just thinking, oh yeah, I get this. Um, the precious alabaster box, which is talked about in other Gospels, which one must break over the holy feet is one's heart. That's easier said than done. And the contents become perfume only when it's broken. While they're safe inside, they're more like sewage. Think about the contrast between the smells here. The fragrance or the not so good smell. So this story for me points to a reality it's a reality that we are here as we come back here. It's only two weeks till Easter. Today is often known as Passion Tide. It's the time to ask passionate questions. Jesus, of course, is worth a lot more than 300 denarii or 30,000 pounds. But perhaps this pouring out is worth nothing if we stay asleep. Mary's act raises questions for what is this beautiful, outrageous, extravagantly loving thing we are called to do? What are we called to do as individuals and as a church? We might actually think, and I think when I read this, this is just too much, too extravagant, too crazy. And I've spent all week thinking about this passage and thinking it's just too much. No, it's too much. Um, and then the same friend wrote to me, you never regret your extravagances. How do I know that? Because God never regrets his extravagances. And he went on to write, and what is God's extravagance? God's extravagance is you. God's expensive, gorgeous, fragrant, crazy, and ultimately useless and wasteful extravagance is you. And God never regrets pouring out and where everything he is for you. Now, when I read that, I thought, hmm, wow. And then I thought, mm, that's okay. How do, I, how do we respond? How do I respond? How do we respond? And I thought again, is this passage saying, just copy Mary, go and do it. Or is it saying something else even deeper than that? Because it'd be easy to talk about, oh, it's about extravagance. I don't think it is. It's not saying don't look after the poor. That's not what it's saying. Is it saying, well, look at Jesus, what Jesus is doing here and pouring out, wiping 
do you remember the next the next um, story is that Jesus soon will be wiping his disciples' feet. Are we being called to imitate both Mary and Jesus? In the uh, book that we've been looking at, what's the title again? I was getting the title wrong. The City is My Monastery. Thank you. The City is My Monastery. This week we're looking at the sacrament. The, you remember the idea of the outward sign, the outward sign, the act, sign of an invisible grace. Well, perhaps extravagant love starts there and goes on from there. But perhaps it's when I, when I, I was thinking about examples of extravagant love I heard about this week of a friend who drove for six hours, hundreds of miles to spend 10 minutes with her dad in hospital. Or I think of a, another friend who drove across Europe to get to the Poland-Ukraine border to drive back a van full of um, refugees. Now, when I think of those stories, I think, fantastic, but I'm also slightly intimidated because I think, I'm not going to be able to do that. So I think, well, do... Now, here, you can help me here as you think about it. Do we domesticate the story or are we secure in knowing that God's extravagant love is for us and to think about the small, everyday acts of extravagant love? of being with the person on their own, of visiting the extra person that we perhaps don't have time to, of spending time, of giving time, because of course that is perhaps the most precious thing that we can pour out. So perhaps this week the challenge for each of us is to think about how we enact, embody, pour out acts of extravagant love in ways that really do speak of God's extravagant love for us and our extravagant experience of God's love. Let's finish there. Thank you so much for listening and let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your extravagant love for us. Thank you that you take us, our fragility, our failures, our brokenness, and you welcome them, and you take them, and you can help us to make even those things bring fragrance to all those around us. Let's continue now as we pray as Colin leads us in our prayers. You know, when I was thinking about the, the, the words extravagant love, the, one of my old favourite songs, the old children's song, love's just like a magic penny. <clears throat> Hold it tight and you won't, have any, you won't get any. Uh, spend it, lend it, give it away. It'll come back to you. So the, the kind of notion of giving our love away extravagantly. So let's, as we open our hearts to God, let's just... Have a moment of quietness. Dearest God, no money can buy your love. No words can express our thanks for your extravagant love. No actions on our part can fully demonstrate our gratitude. 
and for the unselfconscious outpouring of Mary's love, we praise you. And as we sing, pray, and listen to your word, we offer you our best and celebrate your presence with us. We commit ourselves to reflecting your generosity in our lives by giving the best of all we have wherever there is need. So let's, each of us, in a moment of silence, think about all the good things around us that we have experienced this week and give thanks to God in our own hearts individually. Lord, we do indeed thank you for all the goodness we have seen around us this week, for the kindness of friends and strangers, for signs of spring bursting, bursting forth in our gardens and parks and fields, for sunshine and warmth. And we thank you for friends to be with and food to eat and for a country that is blessed with peace. So acknowledging how blessed most of us are as we live in comfort and peace, we turn our prayers to the needs of the world around us. And after each prayer, I'll say the words, Lord of extravagant love. And we'd ask you to respond by saying, pour out extravagant love on them. Lord of extravagant love, Pour out extravagant love on them. So we pray today particularly for political leaders in our country and across the world that you might give them wisdom that they might seek peace with justice and that they might care for the poor as a top priority. Lord of extravagant love, pour out your extravagant love on them. And Lord, we cry out to you for the many countries in the world experiencing conflict right now. We think of Afghanistan, Ukraine, Israel and Palestine, Myanmar, Yemen, Ethiopia, Sudan, to name just a few. And we give you thanks for the ceasefire just agreed in Yemen and pray that might continue. Show us how we can be extravagant in our help and our support for all those who need food and shelter and education. Lord of extravagant love, Pour out extravagant love on them. And we thank you for those who are working for peace and pray for all who have been displaced from their homes, who are now refugees seeking a place to live. 
asking that they might find new life and love in unfamiliar places. And we do pray for those left behind, still living with the daily terrors that we can't even begin to imagine of attack and knowing what will happen next in their lives. Lord of extravagant love, pour out extravagant love on them. And we pray for our own country, especially for the poorest people, as the cost of living soars, show us how to support each other, even when we might ourselves struggle. Give us a spirit of extravagant generosity and help us to be content with what we need rather than what we want. So we do pray for your blessing on all who work in food banks and homeless hostels and children's care and our support networks throughout the country. Remembering particularly Bethany and Cyrenians and their work with the homeless. Lord of extravagant love, pour out extravagant love on them. And we pray for the communities that we are all part of, where we live, in our church, in our schools, in our places of work or homes. Give us joyful hearts and generous spirits so that we give our best to others. And we remember all today who are ill or sad or anxious or housebound, asking that you might be close to them. Lord of extravagant love, pour out extravagant on them. And finally, Lord, we commit the week ahead to you. We ask that you will travel with us in work, in play, in joys, in sorrows. Help us to find space to breathe in your fragrance and offer ourselves and all that we have to you so that you can make through us a world of love, of peace and justice. And we ask you to pour out your blessings on us, not for its own sake, but so that we can pour them out onto others. So may our thankfulness to you pour out in our actions this day and this week, in our choices, in our dealings with other people, in all that we do. And so we ask you to accept these prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.
finish our time of, of Eucharist by saying this prayer together. Spirit of integrity, you drive us into the desert to search out our truth. Give us clarity to know what is right and courage to reject what is expedient, that we may abandon the false innocence of falling from choose at all, but may follow the purposes of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now may the extravagant love of God surround us, the passion of Jesus inspire us, and the wisdom of the Spirit guide us and our thoughts and actions. Amen. We will take